If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Chicago Psychology Podcast. I love to get to know the history of the towns and what I what I've really noticed is that in both areas back in those four counties as well as in Watsika the economic hardships when they hit the towns in some ways have never recovered and for me when I drive through the towns and I see what had probably been family-owned businesses that were the the the, the breadbasket if you will of those communities and they're just vacant buildings now. And some small but big box stores, if you will, have come in. And it just really changed the trajectory. So it is not surprising to see uh, a lot of individuals who are very down on their luck, so to speak. So economically is always one thing that comes to my mind. Uh, when I think about both back in the 80s and currently, all those communities had a percentage of individuals struggling with mental health conditions. The towns accept them, but there's still a tendency toward being isolated as well. Hello, this is Dr. Scott Hoy. On this episode of the Chicago Psychology Podcast, I speak with Dr. Barry Weeb. Barry is a full-time professor at Olivet Nazarene College in Bourbonnais, Illinois. He's also a part-time psychologist in Watsika, Illinois, at the Iroquois Mental Health Center. Barry discusses his work with rural communities as both a social worker and a psychologist. He also brings insight into his work as a professor of forensic psychology and social work. This episode was recorded the week before the shelter-in-place order for the state of Illinois due to the current COVID-19 crisis. He was in the midst of switching to online teaching, and this interview touches on the changes that are affecting his work as a professor during the current pandemic. And now, here is the interview. It's the world you know. 
Well, welcome to the Chicago Psychology Podcast, everyone. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Barry Lee. Uh, Barry is a full-time professor at Olivet Nazarene College in Bourbonnais, Illinois. He's also a part-time psychologist at the Watsika, Illinois uh, Iroquois Mental Health Center, where he provides psychotherapy to that rural community. Welcome to the podcast, Barry. Greetings. Good to talk with you. Same here. Well, uh, what we sometimes like to do is lead off with a little bit of a more open-ended question to to find out about a person's trajectory into the mental health world. And so I know you have a kind of interesting circuitous background uh, compared to some people who go to right into psychology. So maybe you can tell us about that. Sure. Well, I went into undergrad intending just to major in psychology. And it may sound impressive to say that I have three undergraduate majors, but it really is just an indication that I was clueless what I was going to do with my life. So I added uh, (laughs) English literature and then secondary education. So right out of undergrad, I was a junior high and high school English teacher in a town about the size of our pinky fingernail, about 250 people in Northwest Iowa. And uh, just for a variety of reasons, culture shock, et cetera, moved back to the Chicagoland area where I was from, my native home, and uh, moved back into the mental health field and have been there ever since. So uh, trajectory started out with what we now refer to as serious and persistent mental illness Mm -hmm. uh, with a day treatment program that was created to prevent the recidivism rates that were really high with the population. From there, moved to a community mental health center where I was for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful training. As I joke with everybody, other than the salary, I wouldn't trade a thing. It was wonderful experience. And we served four counties. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably my favorite story, the county I lived in, the, the far western part of it, two counties hugged the Mississippi River. Oh, and wow. the largest town was about 4,000 people. Uh-huh. And it was front page story when they got a traffic light in town okay yeah. <laughs> i'm sure there were people so just is driving it, there just to see. is yeah. that close to galena you weren't in, you weren't near galena were you actually we were about an hour south of that that's okay. the one county immediately north yeah. of us okay there. yeah is, and <laughs> if anybody knows illinois galena is a tourist destination because yes. it used to be an old lead mining town and uh it's it's fairly intact for historical buildings, so it's pretty fascinating. Yes. It's like a walk back through time if you go there. It is. It's a beautiful town. Um, well, okay, so I, I heard you got training as a secondary teacher, and you were uh, working with junior high kids, which itself is probably good training for uh, working in mental health, too, <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> yes. um, but... Um, w- did you initially like you? You were a social worker, I think. Is that what you told me prior to Correct. that? Yeah. How? Where'd you get your training yeah. in social work, Barry? You know what? I started with the University of Iowa Extension site, and there were lots of challenges with keeping that extension site mm-hmm. free and clear. And I could not maintain the drive two hours and forty-five minutes each way to the main campus in Iowa City, Iowa. So I put that on hold until I moved to the Kankakee area back mm-hmm. in 1990. And so I finished up with the University of Illinois at Chicago. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I had never heard of social work because there were no social workers in my high school. My undergraduate program did not offer social work. 
So it was only in my first full-time job, we had three case managers who were all social work trained. Ah, okay. And listening to them really became appreciative of what they did. Uh-huh. So that's how I pursued that. Okay. Sure. Yep. And you were doing that for uh, how, how many years? Oh, golly. Well, I started the doctorate program when I was uh, 46 years old. So I had been about 20-some years doing social work. And then kind of long story short, where I had been working, our clinical psychologist was going to be retiring and talking about it with my boss and family, mm-hmm. support the idea of me going back to pursue a doctorate in clinical psych to step into his position. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Okay, wow. And, I, and yeah. you got your PsyD, uh, right, from the Adler University, what's now the Adler University? Okay. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. where I also attended. Uh, okay. And not a plug for si- for the side program there, but you know and it, that is that is what it was. Uh, so uh, you got that around 2013. I think we graduated the same year, right? Okay. Yeah. 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 And uh, since then, what's been going on with you uh, as far as like professional work and and clinical work? Mm-hmm. Well, I have maintained my position as social work professor here at Olivet, hmm. but in. Uh, the late fall of 2015 learned about possible part-time positions at the Iroquois Mental Health Center. And after discussing it with my wife, uh, found it was, it was going to be a good match. Uh-huh. Uh, they were a little light on licensed clinical social workers, which is a valuable commodity with a Medicare population. Mm-hmm. And so, I, as I say, I ran, I ran myself up the flagpole and they saluted. Mm-hmm. And so I've been there for <laughs> okay. time. Every Saturday since January of 2016. Well, that's that's really that's really great. I mean, I think because uh, a lot of people may or may not know that un- the rural populations are under very highly underserved for mental health uh, and psychiatry. So. Uh, that's yes. that's my main my main reason for bringing you on here is to have sure. more of a local focus and also to discuss what that's like and uh, I believe you have had some prior experience working with rural mental health uh, populations is that correct Yeah correct from 1985 until 1990 is when I was with a similar community mental health center but it was a a different style on that because so many areas were sparsely populated Mm -hmm. we actually one agency served four counties and we did about as close to wraparound services as we could Mm. uh wraparound meaning what meaning we would actually even have vans that would drive to all four counties pick up people who did not have transportation bring them back to the agency either for substance abuse outpatient treatment or day treatment for people who were dealing with serious and persistent mental illnesses. Uh, We had trying to do some job training coordination as well, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as psychiatry. We had individual marital group, family therapies. uh, Wow. It was a wonderful Really inclusive, yeah. And that was was in the the 80s and early 90s, correct? And is that program still going? As far as I know, it is. In fact, one of our graduates a few years ago had asked for a letter of recommendation from me, and she actually asked if I knew of the place. And I said, not only did I know it, I worked there. So (laughs) So I wrote her recommendation, and she was actually a SAS agent for them for about a year and a half. Okay, SAS being, being, uh, what's uh, that acronym? uh, 
It is a screening and assessment support services for teens, okay. children who are at risk environments gotcha. to try to get them yeah. emergency placement. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so that, that background in rural mental health and that experience probably has helped you to prepare you for the, the Iroquois Mental Health uh, Center, correct? It, it really has. I, I see so many parallels mm-hmm. uh, as I was reflecting on that time. And in no particular order, I love to get to know the history of the towns. Uh-huh. And what, I, what I've really noticed is that in both areas, back in those four counties, as well as in Watsika, the economic hardships, when they hit, mm-hmm. the towns in some ways have never recovered. Okay. And for me, when I drive through the towns and I see what had probably been family-owned businesses that were the the, the, the breadbasket, if you will, of those communities. And they're just vacant buildings now. Mm-hmm. And some small but big box stores, if you will, have come in. And it just really changed the trajectory. So it is not surprising to see uh, a lot of individuals who are very down on their luck, so to speak. So economically is always one thing that comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think about both back in the 80s and currently – all those communities had a percentage of individuals struggling with mental health conditions. The towns accept them, but there's still a tendency toward being isolated as well. Okay. So especially where I'm at now, uh, Community Mental Health Center is about it for services. And they try to do as much as they can for job training. Mm-hmm. But, of course, there's limited opportunities for them to go anywhere to work. So, Well, how, uh, we the, the town can. in Watsika, how, how has it like, been affected like, uh, economically, and, and when was it hit? Was it hit in the 2008 downturn or something before that? You know, it would actually go well before that in many ways. Uh-huh. Because it's very agricultural, there are some you know, grain elevators and, and tractor supply companies that are still doing business. Mm-hmm. But uh, back in the late 70s into the early 80s, mm-hmm. there were a lot of issues with, as I understand it, tax uh, taxes with state incentives. And some businesses left Illinois to go to other regions of America. And when they left, communities did not have any way to substitute for that. Mm-hmm. So you had places that would employ many, many individuals no longer had employers. So it has been a, almost a decades-long process in many ways. Okay, wow. So, And it's yeah. because of farms closures or? Uh... You know, we had a lot of manufacturer kind of blue-collar labor. Right, right, right. And... When those companies no longer felt incentives with Illinois, many of them relocated and never recovered after that. And I hear that this is an ongoing problem with uh, tax issues in Illinois uh, and, the, and the companies, the corporations, mainly, and rightly so, on an economic uh, side for themselves, are, are playing states off against each other. Yes. Yeah, and, and that's my understanding as well. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, from what I'm hearing, uh, uh, is that uh, Illinois is losing uh, losing other industries as well, but hopefully not for too long. Um, but so this never really re- they never really recovered when manufacturing left, like in the 80s and 90s. There, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, what I are- moved to this area in 1990 mm-hmm. and. 
the 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 hit had already happened really bad by then. Okay. So I'm kind of seeing the backlash of it. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, maybe maybe the phoenix is starting to rise out of the ashes, or will at some point. But hopefully. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What are some of the issues that, that you, you uh, typical issues you might encounter as a, a mental health worker and psychologist uh, at the, that particular uh, community mental health center you're at? Sure. What comes to mind immediately is co-occurring disorders, both okay. back in the 80s as well as now. Substance use disorders mm-hmm. are so often accompanying, whether it's major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of what I believe has been correctly diagnosed as schizoaffective disorder as well. Okay, which is a really but, difficult disorder to treat. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And when you mentioned that uh, psychiatric services, they are really sparse in mm-hmm. our area. And uh, one of the contrasts that I've noticed between my current job and back in the 80s is that people seem to be very comfortable calling that area home. And now where we have, there are not a lot of people who are calling that area home and so I've noticed slowly over time, there's a bit more turnover. Mm-hmm. We have a lot more younger clinicians coming. And after they've gotten a little bit more experience, maybe earn one level of license, they move on. And so some of the continuity of care, I'm noticing changing some. And so that's where I think some of the extra challenge when we come into the diagnoses and you talk about difficult to treat some of the continuity of care I'm really noticing, at least potentially, is challenging the clients. Yeah, right. So you're talking about trainees coming in um, either as residents who might be doing a rotation there as psychiatrists or, or as psychologists or social workers or counselors. Exactly. They, they, yep. they show up exactly. there, and then as soon as they're, they're licensed, they might leave, go yeah. elsewhere. For, it's been, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's for, for medication, I can really appreciate how, my goodness, was it about 10 years ago when Illinois really started talking intensely about uh, 
the prescription writing privileges for a clinical psychologist. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. And I can really appreciate now how that can be a benefit to communities who otherwise would be underserved. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would be uh, maybe uh, as far as I understand, the law as it stands was appended while it was signed off by Governor Quinn so that you have to be supervised by a psychiatrist. Right. And, or an MD, right? And and so that might make it more difficult to actually reach people in rural communities uh, yeah. because you'd have to, you, I assume, I'm assuming here, other people could email and correct me uh, or call me and correct me. I'd rather email, thank you. But um, um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, <clears throat> I, I believe that you the, the psychiatrist would have to be at the center and the overseeing uh, practitioner, okay. and then they could have people working under their license uh, or see them uh, with teletherapy. So there would have to be someone engaged on psychiatry and the psychologist who maybe has an advocacy streak in them that wants to go out into a rural community as well. So that might be difficult to uh, yes for delivery. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think that. I think that that was was it 2000 and. Was it 2013 or 14 when that was an issue, like signed off on? Boy, you know, time flies. Yeah, I remember right. being, yeah. reading about that. Yeah, it was like initiated. And I'm not sure how many CITES or uh, PhDs have uh, done that postdoc training and uh, to get to get prescription rights. I know of one. He's actually a graduate of our school here at Olivet. He went to Adler, uh-huh. and he's gone through the whole process. Okay. Uh, but it has been quite a route for him. It's yeah. an extra 60 hours of postdoc training plus an internship for a psychologist in Illinois to get that, uh, yeah. So, which makes you better trained than most uh, MDs practicing psychiatry when you're done. Yeah. Uh, it's rigorous training, yeah. but clearly Der- Derek has found it to be incredibly rewarding for him. Good. Good. Well, yeah. I'm glad that, that to hear someone has done that. But uh, getting back to to uh, working at the Iroquois Center, um, what are I mean, you, you mentioned co-occurring disorders, and so mm-hmm. you mentioned the the serious mental illness part of it. What mm-hmm. of the particular uh, um, substance use disorders are you seeing? What kind of substances is it that, that you're seeing coming mm-hmm. in, and the problems in the community? Mm-hmm. The the one constant is typically alcohol, mm-hmm. but going again, comparing the 1980s to now, it was more common to have what they what they call in recovery the good old garden variety alcoholic. That was very common back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. These days, uh, multiple substances, um, the potency of marijuana, and with Illinois, of course, the transition with legalization process. Many people are supplementing psych meds with their own. Yeah. yeah. So we're, I'm hearing yeah. that a lot. I hear that but from patients also, as well. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. not just there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But uh, also, you know, the opioid crisis has certainly hit epidemic, if you will, has mm-hmm. hit everywhere. So I'm seeing that. Um, Is crystal meth so still fairly popular in the rural area where you're at? I mean. Yeah. I'm not hearing that. It wouldn't surprise me. At least it's not crossed my path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
What's a typical day look like for you at the uh, uh, Iroquois Mental Health Center? Yeah. Well, I'm almost exclusively individual mm-hmm. therapies. I will have occasionally some family sessions, but because of my license uh, with the clinical social work, um, one of the secretaries has told me I'm gold, and uh, my wife doesn't a, buy it. You have a dual license, the psychology and yeah, okay, exactly, yeah. And so uh, I see a lot of Medicare clients because it's just the the pecking order of reimbursement is such that a licensed clinical social worker is is an individual who can get good reimbursement for that. So my well, slate is uh, almost exclusively that. I'm, this is a little bit off the beaten track, and I don't want to give trade secrets away here, but uh, I'm uh, I licensed psychologist, and I see Medicare yeah. patients. Not many do. Sure. sure. Uh, but with, the, with Paul Stone's uh, initiative with the Mental Health Parity Act, uh, the reimbursement for Medicare has gone up for both types of licensure, there are now like the so the uh, clinical uh, counseling is attempting to to get reimbursement, which I'm not sure why that hasn't gone through because there's a heck of a lot of counselors out there who could be providing yeah. these services. Right, people don't want to get that get that seven year track of degrees, the terminal degree with a PhD or a PsyD. But sure. I I I think the I'm pretty sure the reimbursement is a little bit better for the amount of school you put in and the level of licensure. So I think that we get, as psychologists, get paid better than social workers do with it. And I'm not sure where my clinical psychology license fits. I know at the agency, they're just interested in the social work part of that, for okay. what that's worth. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. maybe you want to, maybe I, you want to, like, for that extra $25, you might want to, you know, per, per billable hour or something, you might want to talk to yeah. your, your boss about that yeah. because cause if yeah, she's they, billing you under the social work license, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. So that's the typical day. I'm sorry. I did get off with the, with the Medicare, but that's going to be it. And what I have is probably, uh, 85% of my clientele are in their middle 60s and older. So I have a really, really focused demographic, uh, primarily female, uh, older, and not all, but many of them have been struggling with a mental health condition for decades. Mm-hmm. And okay. so we're and so in kind of a maintenance stage maintenance? of treatment. Okay. Which sometimes mm-hmm. can be... It's maybe not as exciting as working with somebody who's in a crisis, but uh, certainly can be rich and rewarding and helpful. You know, it, it is, sure. And w- one of my, my professional mantras, if you will, is that it is the relationship that heals, kind of borrowing from yeah. Irvi Alam. Yeah. And uh, the idea that many of these individuals have a small social support system that they treat the opportunity to meet with people like me mm-hmm. as an opportunity for richness and more diverse life, you know, social experiences, as well as I enjoy the opportunity to provide some basic psychoeducation about their condition, really staying close with them in terms of mm-hmm. understanding any side effects they may be experiencing, because so often we are the conduit to the nurses and the psychiatrist at the agency. Okay. Um, and so it's mostly older population, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And, and they're probably people who have been involved with the center even before you got there. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. There are some okay. who have been since they moved to the current location. Mm-hmm. 
that. So it's been a while. It's been a while. The agency, of course, also serves substance abuse population of any age and and children as well. Mm -hmm. But that's my typical day is older adults. Well, I'm curious as to um, uh, you talked about the older demographic, but like when you when you see a new patient who might be new to uh, mental health, what are some of the barriers or what are some of the necessities for psychoeducation with someone uh, who might be new in a rural population that you're seeing? Of course, we're generalizing here. It's case by case. I understand that. But what do you usually, Barry, what do you typically have to do to kind of get the trust level going and create the rapport? You betcha. And that, I, that is the key word is trying to help. I, my My mindset has always been to help people feel safe enough to talk about aspects that perhaps they haven't felt comfortable to talk about anywhere else. Uh-huh. And that's, I, you know, the fact that I've, I've been fortunate to be in this field such a long time. It'll be 35 years in yeah. May. Wow. At, um, that they see, they see, well, I'm old, I'm bald and <laughs> what little hair I have left is gray. So there, there's this sense of grandfatherly yeah. mm-hmm. trust, if you will, mm-hmm. that you know almost comes by default. Or maybe peer to peer, if it's an older, older person. There right? you go. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I know a lot of the time, I I try to help encourage people to tell me their story, and many people struggle to find a vocabulary. So what I try to do is to pace myself with their vocabulary and mm-hmm. find words that can match mm-hmm. to help them get a better understanding of what it is they've been dealing with. Okay. Which, okay. which sounds like what you'd have to do with any population because, exactly. uh, there's, exactly. I, I always see that there's a disconnect between, uh, this mysterious diagnosis thing and the stigma that's associated with sure. the diagnosis and treatment and treatment doesn't necessarily match diagnosis and, and, you know, outcome doesn't match having a quote-unquote, proper sure. diagnosis. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. So a lot, of, a lot of people will indicate that how much they appreciate the extra time mm-hmm. that we're able to have yeah. to help understand the, the framework of their condition, symptomology, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And from there, they feel empowered for more decisions, better understanding also about how come particular medicines are making the impact that they make. Okay. So I find a lot of that the foundation with psychoeducation and maybe not normalizing, but help them to understand very common experience. Okay. Very so good. they don't feel that, that sense of isolation and, and feeling weird, as some of them have said. Okay. As, yeah. as they say over at uh, Hope for the Day, it's okay not to be okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, okay. Um, do you run any groups? I mean, it sounds like a full-service center. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't, but group facilitation is one of my babies. In fact, it's one of the classes I teach here oh, at all okay. that and I love it. Okay. Uh, just on Saturdays, I've been told that I'm most valuable for seeing the Medicare clients on an individual basis. And so that's my time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But when I first interviewed, it's a good question. Because when I first interviewed, I mentioned I would be very interested in facilitating groups for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, but they do have groups. They have a full service uh, uh, program they there. Do. That's good. Yeah. That's they, good. They have outpatient substance abuse groups. Mm-hmm. And then they also have groups for individuals who have been really struggling with chronic mental health conditions. Mm-hmm. And many of them, there's a program called RAP. I think it's Wellness Recovery I can't remember what the letter A stands for, but it's a program that helps build like a psychological toolbox okay. to help them resiliency mm-hmm. and respond mm-hmm. to crises that maybe they can't even foresee yet. Right. And Stressors, of course, tensions. And of course, doing that in a group helps to kind of normalize situations uh, along with that psychoeducation. So that's cool, which helps uh, alleviate anxiety and a feeling like you're alone. Yeah. Well, uh, you mentioned you were sitting, and I can see the audience can't see it, but I can see you're sitting in your comfy office there in Olivet Nazarene College. Tell us a little bit about what you do there at the the social work program. Sure. Well, I'm I'm very fortunate in many ways that because of my my clinical background, I'm able to bring a lot of that into the classroom setting. Mm -hmm. And so I not only teach classes that are exclusive to social work majors, but also psychology majors, criminal justice, and surprisingly, physical education majors are mandated by the state to have a substance abuse class for when they go into the classroom as PE instructors. Uh And so because of my background as a certified alcohol and other drug counselor, I was uniquely positioned to teach that class. In fact, I taught it as an adjunct from 2002 to 2006. And so I teach that, you know, full time here. So I I, uh, teach classes on uh, crisis intervention, Mm -hmm. a practice classes on group facilitation and family assessment, Uh uh, on a behavior profiling class, which is kind of fun, you know, Come to Olivet and talk about your favorite serial murderer okay. and a drug class. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned forensics, and um, I'm wonder uh, do you do you teach any uh, any um, psychological testing or anything involved with that? Because um, I know there's a I, there's a psychopathy scale. I think Robert Hare came up exactly. with exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hare psychopathy checklist. Uh-huh. Yeah, I I have not been trained in that. I would love to, mm-hmm. but there's no one in the area who has been to supervise me. So I oh, unfortunately, okay. hit, yeah, but I you hit do, the limitation. Do, do you teach any uh, psychometrics while you're there? Uh, 
you know what? I don't. That's the bastion of the psychology department. Gotcha. I will make reference to them mm-hmm. uh, in the mental health issues class that I teach mm-hmm. because our students are going to be encountering them. If it's not directly with an agency psychologist, they're very likely going to have clients who have undergone testing. So we give the framework to help them understand. Very good. Yeah. What kinds of goals? What that sure. what that means and and yeah to kind of connect the dots between more of the social work part sure. of things too. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. So it sounds like a really, but it sounds like a rewarding experience to teach there. Uh, I'm not. Uh, uh, I'm not. You know, I'm hearing like. I can hear the warmth of your voice and it's come, it's coming through the speakers or the headphones while people are at the gym or, or walking about, uh, while they're listening to this, I'm sure. So, so the warmth of your personality comes across into the, into the uh, classroom with the students, right? Um, what's it like teaching there for you? And of course, I know, I know you're an employee, so I know you have to, no, I'm just kidding. You have to bracket out. No, I'm sure it's very good. It's, I'm sure it is rewarding for you. You know, yeah. it, it really is. And quite honestly, our students take very seriously mm-hmm. the professionalism and uh, they they come to class. And it's rare that I ever have to stop and point to a student who's pulled out his or her phone. Mm. They, oh, that they, sounds like because I've done some adjunct teaching myself. That sounds like a that sounds like heaven. Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. really yeah. is. And I. Yeah, uh, but they are they are very focused and they are eager to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that we build into our classes, a previous department chair nicknamed it the combo special. And so what it is, is an opportunity for students to meet with us, uh, get coffee or a meal. Oh, nice. And they yeah. get to ask questions about us professionally mm-hmm. because no doubt about it. The older we get, we know it seems like time flies faster, mm-hmm. and students are aware that they're going to be out in the field before they know it. Now, are these all so they, are these undergraduates or graduates or both? They are all undergraduate. Uh-huh. Yeah, we don't have a master's degree in social work program, so it's all exclusively undergraduate that I teach. Any any plans for development of some such a program? We looked into it. Uh, it turned out to be rather expensive, mm. and it was going to require such a significant change and also we're just close enough to other schools that also offer programs that we yeah. really had to think yeah. big picture so at least for the moment it's it's on pause okay yeah but it seems so, it sounds like such a nourishing environment that um uh you would have an advantage in some some respects to other bigger schools um you know yeah yeah. And maybe someday it'll happen. Mm-hmm. I know right now it yeah. isn't, but yeah, we would okay. look into that for those very reasons. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I, we brought up in before hitting record here today, uh, the fact that you are in an educational environment and we're recording this on Friday, the 13th of March, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is not, you yes. informed me you were born on the 13th, but luckily for you it was a Wednesday. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, um, uh, of course, we're joking around about that. If you were born on the Friday the 13th and you're listening, that's quite all right. We know you're okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, the issue right now is uh, the coronavirus uh, pandemic that's, that's uh, uh, just kind of not <laughs> – I, I don't think any measures were really taken two, three months ago, say, starting in January or December, to really kind of halt this – uh, at source or elsewhere, and we're in this situation right now where uh, 
listeners at home, if they're concurrently listening to this, will probably uh, be in the midst of trying to figure out how to go about their days as this is uh, spreading around. But is there anything going on at, at, at Olivet? Is Olivet uh, taking any measures that you could talk about? Sure. Yeah, we are. In fact, you know, I don't know if any students are going to be listening to this, but over we are on our last day of spring break. Mm-hmm. And all this week, there has been a task force meeting to try to respond mm-hmm. as best we can in all this uncharted territory yeah. where and nobody has a script made for this. And it, things have been in flux. And so from 24 hours ago, when the plan was to resume classes on Monday, but with some modifications to today when the message is we are extending spring break another week. Yay. And we, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, what a thank you. Thank you, Wuhan. Uh, there you go. <laughs> or someone. <laughs> no, I'm teasing, of course. I'm joking. Around. Understood. But, yeah. So um, uh, we will be spending this upcoming week making modifications so that all of our classes uh-huh. beginning the week of March 23rd. Wow. Okay be online mm-hmm. so it, it will be this upcoming week this extended spring break will be sleep in time perhaps for our students but not but for, for you us yeah it will yeah. be trying to figure out how do we move all of our classes that right. have been classroom to online wow wow that's quite a shift yeah. your it department must be very busy um, uh, I haven't talked with them yet, and I'm dreading the first time I have to because I know they're going to be. You're not talking so to them because they're probably, as we speak, working <laughs> diligently on a lot of <laughs> yes. a lot of uh, a lot of uh, moving objects in the air, right? So to speak. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like, uh, but you're prepared. What's the what's the temperature like there? I mean, I'm I'm uh, it, as far as like the obviously all of that. Nazarene College is uh, taking precautions in a very responsible way, but how are people in the community uh, responding to it emotionally? Yeah, you know, the only, and I I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I understand it really is serious, toilet paper. That's been the only (laughs) topic of conversation. Really? (laughs) Toilet paper has been the topic of conversation, wow. It really has. Um, Um, Okay, wow. (laughs) in terms of overall community, I have not encountered anybody who has seemed to be highly, highly anxious looking at me twice and so forth. Because, you know, I'm in that old population now. Uh, no one, I'm not getting those looks of hesitance, mm-hmm. but it's been the commodities in case people have to be quarantined. That's the number one area. And that has even been not a big topic of discussion. My wife and I have been out to eat in the community a couple of times. Okay. Crowds have been okay. probably as big as they've ever been. Okay. Uh, yeah. Grocery stores are no fuller or emptier than mm-hmm. they've been. So at least at this moment, because there have been, and I'm, boy, knock on whatever my head is made of, there have been no <laughs> reported cases in our county right. yet. Yet, yet. So maybe that's going to keep the timbre a bit lower. Yeah, it might. It might. Um, at this point, um, I'm doing my best not to read about like Italy uh, right now because uh, yes. I think and we've kind of followed suit uh, uh, in in not responding very quickly to it um, um, for whatever reason. But yeah, okay. 
Well, what, do you have any advice? Like, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's really affecting people there. I think it might be affecting more people in Chicago and some of my uh, clientele that I see here and, and friends and family members. But um, do you have any advice for staving off any anxiety with regards to this? You know, uh, just kind of very, very similar to what I've mentioned in my work with my clients, uh, see so much of the value with psychoeducation that to be able to go to bona fide reliable sources Mm -hmm. to help give factual information. There's so much that's unknown, but controllable we can control. Right. And that is to recognize what percentage of individuals, even if contract, will be in the mild category. What are responses after that? I know there are people trying to speak into that, But there's a lot of talk going on right now, and we can be easily distracted, whether it's social media groups, et cetera. So that's the number one thing that I advocate Mm -hmm. is being able to get bona fide information from websites, CDC, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, National Institute of Health and so forth. And I know whenever I watch news programs, I tend to hear a very consistent theme of doctors who echo about the same message. Yeah, yeah. so. That sounds like good advice. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully by the time we're airing this, uh, things will have simmered down a bit and uh, they will they would have uh, put a cap on everything. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we can only hope. That is true. Yeah. Well, uh, is there anything else that we've, we've missed? I know that you had a few uh, points that you wanted to talk about. Did you, do you think you've addressed all of them, uh, Barry? You know what I, I have? In fact, I was so pleased with how the talk went that I didn't even have to look at the sheet once. They just came wow, back to me. Wow, so okay, good. It has, it has been delightful to talk. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you, and thank you for all your good work uh, training the next generation of social workers and uh, out there at Olivet Nazarene College and also uh, for the very important work at uh, the Community Mental Health Center. You as well. Okay. Appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. You take care. Thank you for listening to the Chicago Psychology Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. And as always, if you can like or give a stellar review on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, or Wherever you may be listening to this, please do so. It helps us out quite a bit, helps us rank higher, and helps us get the word out about the podcast to other people like you. All material is copyright 2020, the Chicago Psychology Podcast. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. If you need a therapist or a mental health provider, please seek one out. And as always, the intro and outro music is by the band Serenati.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.